introverted noise. Hurry up, Daddy. Let's do it. Out to the right. Five seconds to go in the first half. Dante fires deep to the left. Moss caught it at the 11, but now he oh, pitches it. This. To oh, Mo Williams. Touchdown. You got it, big All right, and welcome back to another episode of the Climbing the Pocket podcast. I am your host, Jason Brown. You can find me on Twitter at BrownJason. Once again, we got the full crew. This evening, we're recording a little late, so we're going to try to get through this thing a little quickly here so folks can get to bed. JR, I think, is on podcast 17 tonight, so we're going to jump right into this thing. We got everybody here. QB1, how you doing? How you been? I'm good, man. Making the rounds. Got a lot going on. Closing on the house tomorrow doing a draft guide podcast so life is great right now i can't complain my man likes to stay busy closing on a house doing the draft guide got babies on the way my goodness man what aren't you doing right now resting (laughs) (laughs) all right yeah and uh unfortunately for you that's going to be your steady state probably for the next uh, what uh 18 years or so something like that forever yeah (laughs) that's what it's looking like and uh I guess now, what, uh, the, the second busiest man on the pod? Prince might have something to say about that. But, uh, Miles, what's going on, man? How you doing? Good. Just busy. Yeah, it seems coming. to be going around. But, uh, yeah. Why, why so busy, Miles? What's going on? Just work. Lots of work. Lots of stuff going on. Getting ready for the baby. and Yeah. You, feel, to make you feel ready? You, you ready? Like, how ready are you? What stage in the preparing for the baby's arrival are you at right now? That's not real yet. <laughs> Like, you got a nursery set up, you painted, you put a crib together. Like, where are you at with it? We're not painting, but we got a lot of stuff. People just keep giving us free stuff. And I'm... Yeah, man. That's like the best thing that happens when you're a parent and then one of your friends have, you know, it gets pregnant and having a kid. Yep. You just get to unload all that stuff. Exactly. That stuff you thought you were going to have in the garage forever. Just, let's get this out of here. There exactly. we go. Miles would want that. <laughs> yeah. And then we're just planning a trip to, we're coming up to Canada. Oh snap! In a couple weeks. Yeah, but you're going to like the other side, right? Like, yeah, yeah, way on the other side of stuff. And uh, I guess you know the the one man not having any babies that we know about, Saxy Prince. What's going on, man? How you doing? How you been? That we know of. Um, yeah, exactly. So listen to all of y'all. So far, you guys are doing such a stand up job convincing me. The two next things I need to do in my life immediately is get married and have children because you guys sound exhausted. And me and my youth, I'm just, you know, I'm just enjoying life. So after the pod, you know what I'm going to do after the pod? I'm just going to go on a walk and I'm just going to (laughs) take so you guys can see. Enjoy yourself. You live, Mm -hmm. you live for all of us. Enjoy, enjoy that freedom. Have you have your fun. I had a question though, Prince, because you've been you've been doing quite a little bit of acting going on here of late. Anything new that we should tell the people about? Anything that's gonna be out there that people should check out? Yeah, um, you know, I have a slew of short films that you know have been uh, uh, had the privilege to be a part of. Uh, one actually just got released on on YouTube called The Hall. Short little film. You know, I play a, a guy named Gary. Uh, short plot of the the film is just that uh, there's this resident assistants, you know, when you lived in the dorms, you had those RAs or CAs, whatever you call them. Uh, guy trying to prove himself as well as, uh, you know, his family. 
has a long history of being CA. So, you know, he's obviously trying to impress his father and his family and stuff. And he's just a little bit eccentric. And I play character Gary, who just, you know, he was another, he's another RA and uh, just sees this guy and he's just kind of a, kind of a dork and, and whatnot. So it's a short, short seven and a half minute um, short film or whatever, but it's a, uh, you know, it's, 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 it was a fun time. I enjoyed working with everyone there and uh, yeah. Uh, I'll uh, link, give us a, uh, provide a link for it and everyone can go check it out they have to, when they have time. So yeah. Perfect. And uh, I'll get that link in and throw it in the show notes. All right. Well, all right. Let's jump in. This is kind of a, I guess a bit of a quiet time in the, uh, in the off season, the first couple waves of free agency are, are pretty much in the books. A uh, few things happening here and there, but really it seems as though most teams have uh, switched into you know prep mode for the draft. But uh, the last time we were on, we talked about really a lot of Viking-specific stuff, but there was some crazy business that went on in the NFL this offseason that we really just didn't talk about at all. So with us having a little bit of time to look back on things, I figure we'll get back into some of that stuff right now. And JR, I want to start with you. And I'm not sure which one I even want to start with, but what are your thoughts on, yeah, some of these trades that went down? And I guess we can start with the one that I guess made the most noise first, Antonio Brown. And this whole offseason, him, I guess, forcing his way out, uh, making his way to the Raiders, the Steelers really getting back what doesn't seem to be a lot in this trade except for dead cap, I guess. What are your thoughts on how this whole thing went down how Brown comported himself to, to make the move and get himself where he wanted to go. And just generally speaking, how it all went down um, with that team and, and how you see things going with Pittsburgh as we, uh, we move into the next season. Yeah. So, I mean, I thought he just used his leverage to his advantage. And I think his agent is the best agent in the game and drew Rosenhaus and they played the game the correct way because they requested a trade. And rarely do you see players of his stature really dictate where exactly they want to go. And that happened with Buffalo when he said he clearly stated that he wasn't going to show up if he was traded there. So he used his leverage to his advantage. And something that we've seen with John Gruden in years past is that he always wants to bring a veteran type of receiver in the building whenever he takes over a team. It happened with Keyshawn Johnson when they got him when he was down in Tampa Bay. So he's trying to replicate that kind of formula. Now with Antonio Brown, and everyone knows that he likes those veteran type of players. In the locker room, Mike Mayock was trying to make a splashy type of move to bring some energy and some rejuvenation back to Raider Nation before they do take off for Las Vegas. So they needed some type of star power now that Amari Cooper, when they shipped him off to Dallas. So they didn't have anybody on the perimeter. The perimeter weapons were not good at all last year. They had one of the worst wide receiver corps in the entire NFL. So they needed somebody to help out Derek Carr. But I think an interesting dynamic with Antonio Brown and Derek Carr is that how is he going to get the volume of his catches? Because Antonio Brown is more of a down-the-field type of threat, but also he can dominate in the underneath area. So with Derek Carr, he's very reluctant to go down deep down the middle or deep down the field in general. He's a guy that really dominates in the minus 10 area. He doesn't really go more than 10 yards down the field. So Will those explosive plays that Antonio Brown had with the Steelers, will that still stay intact with Derek Carr, a guy that it really isn't known to be aggressive like a big Ben Roethlisberger? And I think that's where this thing could fail. And I think that's really what's going to be the determinant factor is Derek Carr. Because we'll I know think, early, too. We'll know yeah, exactly. early if it's going to work or not. <laughs> exactly. And Antonio, if it does not work early, Antonio Brown is not going to shy away from saying it's not working. So I think this really is a make-or-break year 
for Derek Carr. And, I mean, I wouldn't rule out them taking the quarterback this year. Now, will it be early? I probably doubt that. But if the Derek Carr experiment does not work again this year, I definitely could see them moving on from him next year because they're not going to let Antonio Brown, the last little bit of his prime, go by the wayside. And, yes, John Gruden signed a 10-year deal, but who knows if he will see the length of that deal. But he wants to win now. And Mike Mayock has firmly said that, that he wants to win now as well, especially with this team going to Las Vegas. They want to generate some type of buzz. So I think the deal worked out for both sides. Now with Pittsburgh, they're in a very interesting situation. And I just think it was a massive disappointment to only win three playoff games having Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell, and Ben Roethlisberger in place, never even getting to that illustrious hump or getting over the hump with the New England Patriots always in the way. So I just think it was very disappointing how that era did end and only winning three playoff games with those guys. I just think that's a huge disgrace. But they're in an interesting spot as well because they have to find somebody to help out Juju Smith-Schuster. James Washington is coming along, but he really didn't stand out like a lot of people thought he would uh, being the number three receiver in that rotation so i think they're gonna draft a receiver early now will that be at 20 in the first round i don't know a guy like a hakeem butler makes sense if they want to get their next type of plaxico burst type of receiver to help out juju or if they want to take one in the second round we'll see what they do end up doing there so they're going to have their options in this receiver class all right and uh, and moving it right along obviously we're still going to talk receivers here which means we got to get miles in here to give his opinion on some things and uh Obviously, the next huge uh, trade that happened this offseason was uh, Odell Beckham Jr. getting traded to uh, to my Cleveland Browns. So uh, what, what are your thoughts, Wells, <laughs> on, on how that all went down, what the Giants received in return, and uh, what that means in terms of uh, how things will look in the uh, AFC North with Antonio Brown leaving, OBJ coming in? Yeah, what, what are your thoughts on, on kind of what that division is going to look like as we move forward with, uh, with these huge trades going down? Yeah, you know, since... I'm a I'm a lifelong Browns fan, so I can say <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm pretty excited. No, I'm uh playing, but uh no, I I mean I, I'm excited as a football fan um for the Browns to just two years ago we were they were basically a laughing stock at the NFL. Um and now they're they've they've really turned things around. They've uh they got their franchise quarterback, they've made a lot of moves to improve their roster and to go get a guy like OBJ to to really complement what you have with Jarvis Landry, uh, David and Joku, um, I th- I think it really just speaks to uh, the direction they want to go, and I don't think they had to give up much to do it. I mean, they you get arguably arguably a, obviously he's a top five wide receiver. Um, I'd say he could get as high as two or three when when he's healthy and he's playing at, at the top of his game. That's how good he is. Um, so for me, I think the trade was definitely worth it for Cleveland. They have the they have the money to spend, and the draft capital. I mean, the kind of impact you'd get from a player at seventeen isn't isn't going to pale in comparison to what they're going to get out of Odell Beckham Jr. this season and and moving forward. Um, and at the same time, they really only had to give up seventeen. What was it? Seventeen uh, three and Jabril Peppers. Is that? I think that's right. Um, I mean, to have to give up a strong safety, and I like Jabril Preppers, but like to have to give up a strong safety to and a first round pick to basically get one of the best playmaking, one of the best playmakers in the NFL, uh, I think that's a pretty fair, uh, a pretty good deal for the Browns and uh, Baker Mayfield. I mean, they're really, we've seen this 
the last few off seasons now watching these these teams with young quarterbacks really load up and make moves to make sure that they're getting weapons around their um, their young quarterbacks and uh, Baker Mayfield's probably in the best uh, best offensive situation of anybody in the NFL. I mean, I think you could probably make that argument. Uh, there aren't too many offenses that have more than what uh, Baker's going to have this year, and they added Kareem Hunt and uh, they have Nick Chubb. Uh, who, who knows what they do with, with Duke Johnson? But uh, that that team's going to be really good, and their defense is really on the way too. So um, I really like that move a lot. I I don't think. I think the, the Giants should have gotten more uh, for trading him, but it, it sounds like they were content with what they got. Yeah, Gettleman, uh, yeah. He has certainly had an offseason. That is uh, yeah. that for Eli's going to be the 2020 starting quarterback too. So Apparently, he's uh, he's got a lot left in the tank. So with these two deals being done, uh, yeah, I guess I got a question for all of you guys. And Yink, I'll start with you here. Uh, and we'll start with the first trade we were talking about. Antonio Brown goes to the Raiders. Raiders also bring in Tyrell Williams. How do you rank uh, yeah, these wide receiving duos? Like, where, How high up in the league would you put a uh, Antonio Brown-Tyrell Ty- Williams combo versus, say, an Odell Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry versus Stephon Diggs, Adam Thielen? Like, where, where, are, you, where are you ranking these, these, uh, these duos? How high up? Do you see these guys who just change teams with uh with the new teams that they're on? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think the Browns are exciting because you know we saw what OBJ and Jarvis Landry did in college, right? They were there. They basically were the reason why Zach Mettenberger got got drafted from out of LSU. Um, I, I put those two towards the top. I think when you look at you know when you look at um the Viking situation with Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs. Um, those guys are just so consistently good uh, when both of them are on the field. Uh, whereas, you know, you, you love an Antonio Brown and you love a OBJ, um, but you really don't see – like those two, in my opinion, are very clear wide receiver ones. And in the Viking situation, I think that uh, those two duos, like they really are 1A and 1B for their team. So – I'd probably still put the Vikings, uh, you know, towards the top, you know, but it, it's really close. It's, it's it's a matter of, you know, I think OBJ and Antonio Brown are definitely uh, b- a better wide receiver receivers than like a Stefan Diggs or an Adam Thielen individually. But collectively, you know, do I look at a, a you know, a Jarvis Landry or a Tyrell Williams as being comparable to those two? I wouldn't say so. So <clears throat> I can see why Vikings Vikings fans would feel, Slighted if they're, uh, the Vikings uh, wide receiver tandem isn't given the respect that they feel they should get, just because I, I do think that, you know, they maybe separately aren't top five guys, but, you know, together they'd probably be, you know, the best duo in the league. Okay. And uh, JR, what about you? How are you ranking, you know, OBJ, Landry, Diggs and Thielen, Brown and uh, and Williams and I guess any other you know tandems duos in, in the league that you see there at the wide receiver position. Uh, who who are the top ones for you as you think about it now that things have been shaken up? Yeah, I think Diggs and Thielen are the clear top at that at the wide receiver position in my opinion out of those three. And I would probably put uh, the Browns at two and then the Raiders at three out of those three because I don't really know what Tyra Williams is going to be in an expanded role but we'll see what he does do in Oakland. 
Um, this is a big year for him because he's gotten his money. He's expected to be that second wide receiver uh, opposite of Antonio Brown. So we'll see what he does there. We know OBJ and Jarvis Landry are going to be one of the more formidable duos uh, in the entire NFL. So just because of the repertoire that they do have in, in previous years and then the chemistry that they do have from LSU. So we'll see how that does turn out. They have, I think, who's going to be one of the better quarterbacks in the league next year in Baker Mayfield. I think he's going to make a fantastic jump just because of the weapons that he does have surrounded with him. And then you talk about a guy that I think is a really good play caller and Freddie Kitchens as well. So we'll see what does happen there. Um, I mean, I'm going to remain skeptical in Minnesota just because, I mean, Diggs and Thielen, they're going to produce. But I want to see just how Kirk Cousins continues to distribute the ball to both of those guys. But I think they have to find a number three wide receiver just to relax some of the pressure off of them and then relieve some of the pressure off of those guys, I should say, because Aldrick Robinson, he wasn't a huge contributor, I would say, but when he did contribute in spots, it really did open up those other guys a bit more. And I would like to see them add that number three guy, maybe like a roof stretcher or somebody that can open up other parts of the field for Diggs and Thielen to produce. So I think if they're able to do that, I think both of those guys are going to have another elite type of year. Okay, and last but certainly not least on the wide receiver question, Miles, where are you at with it? What are you thinking? I got to agree with y'all. I think uh, Diggs, Thielen, uh, OBJ, but I think it's actually really close. I know y'all aren't as high on Jarvis Landry as I am, um, but I think he's a really good receiver, and I think especially being given the opportunity now to be that uh, that 1B, you know, that wide receiver 2 basically on, on the team, that, that'll really help. Um, getting to be behind uh, OBJ and kind of take some of their pressure off of him. Um, he can work that short to intermediate routes while Odell can, can stretch the field. Um, and then uh, to what, what you guys said, it's the Raiders would be three. Um, Tyrell Williams is a good player, but I don't think he's proven enough at this point to be, to be in that conversation to be um, with the rest of those guys. Should we, should we talk about Tannehill to the Titans or, or Flacco to the Broncos? Nope. Assembly to the Jets. Yeah. Yeah. Nope. Now we nope. good. The assembly yeah. one was a good deal for the Jets. I mean, they basically yeah, it was. what they swap fives and sixes or something like that. Yeah, fives and sixes. Um, yeah. and just paid a salary, which I mean, I thought that was a pretty. They have the money to do it, so why not go get a a solid player like Assembly? No, yeah, those those ones hurt when you when you finish it up with yeah, they got the money to do it. <laughs> I mean, but, but at the same time, at the same time, would you be willing to to sacrifice one of the defensive players to get Kletchia Semele? I mean, but what did they give up for him? They swapped a five and a six. I mean, plus the what, plus the why? salary, which is the But that's what I'm saying. Like you factor in the salary. Like, would you be willing to give up, let's say Anthony Barr to to trade to swap a five and a six for Kletchia Semele? Probably, probably, just because. No. Hell no, boy. No. Y'all listen, just give me a but second. But if they're swapping a five and a six, I feel like we can get them for something cheaper than Anthony Barr, though, no? Yeah, that's what yeah, I'm well, saying. He's, like, he's, well, Anthony Barr's only making five, or his cap hits only five million this year, so kind of hard damn. to it. Yeah. Yeah, we, yeah, we broke. All I'm saying is, yeah, we broke five, bro. Uh, <laughs> All I'm saying is, like, if you if you were to do that deal, I'm just saying that, that it would give you 
I'm not just looking at Osemele as just like what he adds to the, the roster. I'm also saying that the flexibility it potentially has um, for the Vikings because I am a little scared that they are going to pigeonhole themselves into potentially trying to get a tackle, which you know I, I'm, I'm with all y'all. You know, Dillard or Jonah Williams is there. Any of those guys, obviously. <clears throat> but, you know, you, you just have so much talent that you can take advantage of by either trading down or – getting like a, you know, interior defensive lineman or, you know, something that's valuable at 18 or 20 or whatever you decide to do. And I think that if you were to get an offensive line, you're not necessarily putting yourself in a position where you feel like you need to go get a guy. That's my mentality with it. Okay. All right. Well, speaking of offensive line, we finally signed one. Josh Klein. Happy days are here or that, uh, here again, as, uh, as many on Vikings Twitter have said. Y'all just need to shut up and trust Rick. Let him work. But I have a question for y'all. Jay, I'm going to start with you. Is Josh Klein any good? I mean, he's middle of the road, but, I mean, we should celebrate middle of the road in Minnesota <laughs> <laughs> because <laughs> that's something we've been trying to get because we just have been at the bottom of the league the past few years in the offensive line rate because I know Pro Football Focus had us basically in the basement. I don't think we were in the 30s, but we were like 27th or 28th, I believe it was. So we've been in the basement in the lower tier for a while. And prior to last year, Josh Klein, he was middle of the road. I believe he was like the 30, he was in like the 30 or 40 range, uh, according to Pro Football Focus, as far as their rankings and how good he was. But I mean, it's an upgrade from Mike Rimmers. I will say that it's a slight upgrade. I don't think it's a huge upgrade that should be celebrated or anything like that. But I mean, if they're able to get him back to his pre. 2018 form, I think he can be a good player for them at right guard. Now, is he going to be a world beater or anything like that? No, but he can blend in with the rest of the guys, and I think he can be middle of the road or average, which is better than what we've had in the past. Yeah, what's wild, and, and obviously, you know, pro football focus grades are but one data point. They're not the end-all, be-all, but I think myself included, when I think of Remmers, I think of him getting utterly destroyed early in the season and that's just kind of what I thought about him for the entire season. But, um, you know, as the, the season went on, he did get a little better. And when you look at kind of the overall grades for last season, Josh Clyde and Mike Remmers were basically the same dude. Remmer, uh, Klein was probably a little bit more consistent, but, you know, Remmers' strong second half of the season kind of brought them into a tie overall, which I don't know. I guess maybe is a little, uh, yes, it makes me a little sad, a little disappointing. But then on the flip side of that, Arif did write uh, a great piece for The Athletic. You should definitely check that out if you haven't already. That makes me lean a little bit more to the, uh, I guess, the optimistic side of things. Miles, I know you've been really looking at, uh, at offensive linemen and people that the Vikings might bring in. Just based on what he brings to the table, the new scheme, I guess, how are you feeling about the signing of Josh Klein? Are you more optimistic about things or... Are you kind of just like, eh, if he's average, he's good enough? Well, I think I think one thing people are people are looking more at into the the ranking of, of him more than the, the actual grade grades he's had over the last five years. Um so for me, yeah, of course I have some uh, pessimism in it. I think there's always things to worry about. Um I do think and believe he's a, a really good scheme fit for what they're looking for. Um I think they I think they kind of, I don't know if we'd say overpaid, but they kind of had to in a sense um, at the at the point that they got to. But, I mean, 
2014 to 2017, he basically posted a 70 a 70 grade, um, which I think is a, a pretty good grade. Um, especially he's he's a lot better in um, pass blocking than he is run blocking. Um, but like if you look at like Kevin Zeitler, I'm not going to compare them as players because I think Kevin Zeitler is a significantly better right guard than uh, Josh Klein is. But um, Kevin Zeitler's uh, grade in pro football focus in 2018 was a 74.5. Uh, Josh Klein's highest grade of his career was a 71. And Kevin Zeitler was the fifth rated guard in with that 74.5 grade. Um I think Josh Klein would be in that 25 to 30 range with his 71 grade. If you looked at it in the 2018 um, comparison, um, something like that. I um, So like when you look at the overall grade, it looks better than it does com- when you look at the, uh, the, the number he's, he's ranked. Um, so I think, I think in terms of what he can bring to this team, I think the stability aspect of it, I think it's what 46 straight games he started at right guard. Um, I know that's important. <laughs> Because I mean, we've we've lost a lot of offensive linemen to injuries, and having a guy that you know can come in and be a plug and play guy, a guy that you know can get you, um, like like you guys have said, at least average to maybe slightly, maybe close to above average at his very best. Um, that's that's really good for what this offensive line needs. They need that kind of talent, even if it's not high end talent, to come in and and produce because. Um, I think that, like we've talked about, the scheme is really going to help um, mask a lot, some mask some of those deficiencies. I mean, uh, hopefully, you know, a guy like Klein can help out a Pat Elfline and help out a, a Brian O'Neill because um, we know that those guys that it did it did them no favors last season being sandwiched, um, having Mike Remmer sandwiched in between them because he just wasn't that wasn't his natural position. So it was a lot harder for him to kind of adjust and help them at the same time. Um, so knowing that Klein has that experience and he can be able to help them out. Um, and then, so uh, I, I'm not, I'm not going to say it's a world beater, but I think out of the moves that they could have made based off the money that they have and looking at some of the money that some of these other offensive linemen have, have been getting, I thought they, they got a really good deal for, for Klein. And uh, I mean, we signed one offensive lineman. So, yeah, how many offensive linemen do we have under contract right now that actually have like interior offensive linemen that have NFL experience? Are we going with we have Klein, Elfline, Isadora? Is that That's where it. we're at right now? That's it. Okay, so with that said, Miles, again, knowing that you've been doing research on this, are there any other? Or I guess any other. Are there any linemen out there based on a you know given our I guess we'll say financial shortcomings, our inability to. Uh, to really pay a large amount of money for anything at this point, and the fact that we're going to have to move things around to uh, probably just sign our, our draft picks at this point, are there any linemen that are still realistic out there that could actually be helpful to the Vikings as we uh, as we move uh, through free agency before we get to the draft? Bond index funds with lower expense ratios than copper. Shoot, um, yeah. Um, looking at it, there are. Um, I mean, I know that it sounds like they have an offer extended out to uh, um, Brett Jones. I mean, not that he'd be the my my number one choice, but I think for the versatility that he provides, that center guard flexibility, is something that it really seems like they want to do, they want to bring in. Um, I, obviously, they um, they extended or they they offered uh, Nick Easton uh, money to kind of be that guy. Um, they had uh, 
who who's the oh my gosh how am i blanking out his name i'm trying to find it right now um the uh left guard for andy levitri um there's a guy that they could look to uh they could look to bring in he, he'd fit this scheme he's coming off a um i think he's come off a triceps injury but um he was really good for um for some years there for the atlanta falcons uh so I'm kind of surprised that his uh, his market's been really quiet, um, but it might actually be a benefit for the Vikings if if they find a way to free up some cap space, they might be able to. I mean, who knows what they're what they're going to do? I think they're sitting at like two point five million right now, after all the the deals that they've made recently. But um, if they find a way to free up some cap space, they might be able to sign uh, some of these lower tier uh, guys that are available. But I think a guy like Andrew Levitre could really be that guy that um, that has starting experience has above average experience. Um, he's older coming off an injury, so you might be able to get him for cheaper, but it, it also wouldn't alter your, um, your plans in the draft because we still know that they, they need to, they need to address it in the draft too. Um, bring in some guys for depth and guys that you can mold and, uh, that can eventually take over. But you know, that a guy like Levitre could be that guy. Um, I don't think Tyler Shatley's, anything special, but I mean, I think as, as a depth piece, I know they brought him in last week. doesn't sound like they offered him a contract, but he's a guy that um, has that center guard flexibility. So kind of like a Brett Jones, you bring that kind of guy in. Um, he could be a, a potential spot starter for you, depending on how the draft goes. So um, there are options out there that I think could make, could really help this uh, offensive line, especially depth wise. So I'll be really curious to see how they address that, if at all. I mean, Lord, they better do something. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they really I, I am do. kind of surprised we haven't seen a little bit more traction with it. I mean, I know they have the owners' meetings this week, so um, but it does sound like they have an offer out to to Brett Jones. So we'll see how that how that plays out. Um, we might actually hear something uh, later this week. So you never know. All right. Well. Uh... From slightly depressing news to even more depressing news. And, and, and Saxy Prince, I'm going to give you the floor for this one. Uh, take as long as you need to get whatever takes off your chest that you need to. Because uh, your man, your boy, the homie, Marcus Sherrills, is no longer a Minnesota Viking. Yinka, how you feeling about this, man? Yeah, it's going to be weird. Um, you know, I... I was fortunate enough to talk to Marcus Sherrill a few times, actually, you know, in training camp and uh, just go for practices and stuff. And he, he, you know, he's a very quiet person, very humble. Um, I, I think there is a reason why the Minnesota Vikings kept him around so much, just because, you know, he just kind of went about his business, did what he was supposed to do. Um, you know, obviously played a huge role into the Vikings special teams for nine years. You know, he... Um, so I, I think it will be interesting to see how the Vikings, you know, with with changing, you know, uh, special teams coordinator, as well as you know, you know, missing some of their key pieces, um, how they're going to really address the, uh, the special teams. I know it's not as big of of a deal, but I, I think there were times where you saw that it be you know disadvantageous to the Vikings and not giving them the the field advantage that they that they needed at, at, at times. So. Uh, he will be sorely missed. Um, you know, he's a native Minnesota, a native uh, Minnesotan. Uh, but you know, it, you know, at the end of the day, it's it's 
I, I don't blame guys for wanting to put themselves in positions to, you know, not only uh, you make more money, help out their families and whatnot, but also, you know, some guys, they do care about winning. You know, they want to be part of winning organizations. And uh, yeah, Marcus Sherrills went to, he just went to New Orleans. You know, he has some familiarity. I think some guys on the team already. So, um, you know, good for him. And, you know, I wish him all the best. Okay. Miles, JR, anything to add about Cheryl's leaving? Pour one um, out for the home. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. Let us see here. Let me keep it moving, take a look at these notes. And uh, really the last thing, the last point, I mean, it's really just one, the one move, so I don't really know if it's really worth getting into that deeply. But the Vikings did make a move since the last time. We've addressed the offensive line. Uh, picked up a player who at least looks like he'll be able to be a serviceable starter, um, which seems in many ways to have calmed some of the panic around the offensive line situation that was previously going around uh, the Vi- on Vikings Twitter anyway. And so, uh, JR, I'll start with you. Should this in any way affect what the Vikings plan on doing as it gets to the draft? I know that pretty much before the Josh Klein signing, most mock drafts that I'd seen had the Vikings picking an interior lineman in, in, in round one, maybe another one in round two before getting into another player, um, another position group. As you think about it now, um, maybe if nothing else, just from the fan base perspective, does this signing allow the Vikings to go in another direction without as much backlash? Or if you're the Vikings, does this signing affect anything that you're planning to do really going forward as it pertains to the draft? I don't think it changes anything, honestly. And I mean, they paid him as if he is a starter, which I expect him to be. He's going to be their right guard. Now, what it does make flexible is what they want to do with Riley Reef. We'll see if they want to slide him down inside to left guard or if they want to keep him at left tackle. And I think Mike Zimmer came in. He came out this week at the owners meeting and stated that that depending on what or who falls to them in the draft, that's what they're going to do with Reef. And I mean, Reef seems to be okay with that. I'm sure they approached him about that, about a move to guard. So let's say uh, Andre Dillard or even a Juwan Taylor or somebody like that falls to them or in their laps at 18. Maybe they can slide Reef inside to guard. But if somebody doesn't fall to them, they want to take a guard later on or if they want to trade back and take a guy later on, even in the first round, and slide them or keep them at guard and then keep Reef at left tackle. That's something that they do have the flexibility to, to do. So I don't think the client signing changed anything. It just really checked another box at the top of the depth chart now that they have their right guard so me personally I don't it wouldn't change anything for me I just would see Josh Klein as a depth signing and I still would try to get two starters in this draft because you don't know if he's going to return to that pre-injury form worst case scenario if he doesn't you already have two guys that you drafted this year what about you Miles what are you thinking Josh Klein is in does this change any way that you're thinking about the draft or the Vikings should be thinking about the draft? Uh, does this deprioritize inside offensive line for you? Um, yeah, how are you playing things out as, as the draft moves forward? Can, or are you in JR's I, camp if it doesn't matter? Can I interject real quick, Jason? Um, JR says something that I uh, that it had me thinking. Uh, you know, getting the two starters on the offensive line, because something I've been thinking about, Vikings should double dip. Do you think this offense takes a – dramatic step forward if you you know you do what indianapolis did and you get those two starters right away and maybe that 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 changes things or maybe getting one starter 
on the offensive line and then getting maybe some kind of, uh, you know, receiving weapon, whether that be tight end or wide receiver, whatever, it makes a bigger jump. What I would say is I don't like using Indianapolis as an example, even though they did double dip at offensive line. The thing that really changed their fortunes is getting Andrew Luck back. I mean, yeah, Quentin Nelson is amazing, and their offensive line was a lot better. Their running game was a lot better, but they got Andrew Luck. Like, that is the factor, I think, when you're looking at how much better their offense was than the year previous with Jacoby Brissett running the show. I mean, we're not getting Andrew Luck <laughs> this offseason. So well, no, I, I think that even if, if the, the offensive line does too. get quite a bit better, I think people will be – disappointed in the impact that that does have on the overall offense, just because I think that our wide receivers, which are so important to a quarterback's performance are already so good. It's going to mean the the offensive line really have to go from where we were as terrible to like elite for it to make the huge difference that people want to see. And I just don't know that we're going to get that in one off season. They're really banking on scheme to be that, to be that solution. Which I mean, it can be we like we saw in twenty seventeen. It can really play a big factor if you're building it to your quarterback strengths. So I mean, I don't like we, like we've said. We, I don't ex, we don't expect elite play. Uh, average play is really where they need to be. Agreed. Yeah, no, and I and I was saying as as far as Indianapolis getting Andrew Luck back obviously was a huge part of that. But I mean, they did have also you know, one of the I would say more porous offensive lines. Uh, that the previous year. So, I mean, the combination of getting Andrew Luck back plus a more stable offensive line, uh, I, I'm just wondering with, you know, how poor the Vikings offensive line last year was. You know, we keep talking about getting to African, to African, to average, and it doesn't really seem like we're getting there because that seems to be where we are shooting for rather than shooting past it and then, you know, falling into being average. So I'm just, I'm just curious if, you know, getting those two starters on the offensive line really solidifies how good this offense can be um, with some of the issues that they were having. Okay. All right. Anything well, else anyone want to cover before we wrap this thing yeah, up? Yeah, back to your point. So the, the question of do I believe uh, adding Josh Klein really changes their the way they should view the draft or anything like that, I don't. Um, I think I think Josh Klein is pens- uh, basically it's a pen. <laughs> you, you have a pen, at, uh, uh, you write it down in pen that he'll probably be their starting right guard. They don't pay him that much money to, and have all that dead dead money um, to eat if they were to try to replace him right now. Um, I think they're going to view it as yes, they need to sign or draft two offensive linemen early. I think they need they know that they need. Uh, future offensive tackle. Um, so I think that's priority number one for me. Oh, and then you throw in guard because obviously they don't have a starting left guard right now. Um, but I think I don't think Josh Klein should change anything that they look to, to do in the draft, but at the same time, he just helps make sure that they, they don't need to draft somebody at his position right away. Um, but we know that they need a left guard and they need um, a future left tackle, depending on what their plan is for Brian O'Neill long-term. Okay. Yeah. Sorry about that. Miles, we went off the tangent and I forgot about your answer. That's Prince's fault, not yours. Okay. Well, Mm -hmm. go ahead, Miles. Go ahead. (laughs) 
Oh, I, I was trying to take that one for you, Prince. But uh, before we get up out of here, I guess, JR, you did mention that you were recording some things earlier today. Uh, what do you have on the go that people should be on the lookout for? I don't know if I should say it, but I was on Locked On Packers um, yesterday. So, Ooh. yeah, I'm, I'm sure nobody will listen to that. But just discussing draft things also, uh, the latest episode of the Draft Board Podcast will be up tomorrow where I'm actually discussing the Vikings. So be sure to check that out. Okay. Miles, anything from you? No. Okay. Prince, what's cracking? How's the series going? When should we expect the next one? Yeah. Um, the, series, the series is actually going really, really good. I'm already on week four, just putting final touches on week three. I might release weeks three and four together. Week three, which is awful. It was the Buffalo game getting blown out 27-0 in the first half really, as you can imagine, doesn't really leave a lot for it to be desired. So I didn't really find a lot of plays there. I think I only found one or two. So just going to synthesize that and I get get week four out and then probably just release them both roughly at the same time. So. All right. And uh, even though uh, given Miles, we've been giving Miles a bit of a hard time for not, uh, not putting out the stuff that he started working on here. We are putting Miles and JR to work as we get into April, as we lead into the draft. We'll be doing a uh, an update on last year's draft series. So excited about that. Going to be some short episodes where Miles and JR give us uh, a little insight into their scouting process and give us a couple players that we should be looking out for as the draft rolls along. So excited to get that done and recorded as we get into April. But that is it. That is all. As always, listeners... Thanks for sticking with us. Gentlemen, as always, thanks for coming on and recording. And uh, yeah, we will talk to you soon. Have a good one.